0: It was not long after that, I was in there washing dishes and he came out of the office and he had this story about the new pope opening an exorcism academy. I mean, he was visibly shaken and he said, do you know how many more people this will hurt?
1: You know, and that's when I really
0: decided that that I was done. I had to get out of that. I'm not interested in participating in that whatsoever. I'm not anticipating in that. What I want to do is
1: expose exorcism for the scam that it really is. And that's why we're doing this. So if I can help expose it for what it really is and save one kid from having a plastic bag wrapped around his face, that sounds like God's work. What I thought we'd do is that we will open an envelope and we will follow that request wherever it takes us and I'll I'll let you uh, follow me and that way you can film all the behind the scenes uh, of my exorcism. Hello and welcome to another episode of that So Random, a random movie podcast. I am Heath Lambert, just like I always am. My guest this episode, Megan Dijon. How are Hello. you, ma'am?
0: I'm well. Thanks for having me.
1: Of course. Uh, we're going to be talking about from 2010 The Last Exorcism, found footage, horror film. Uh, before we get into that, let's talk about your YouTube channel. Oh, Please nice. tell me all about it. Tell everybody all about it.
0: Um. <laughs> So I'm actually just starting it. Um, I really love horror and horror books in particular. Um, So I'm reading all the time, but I don't really have anyone to talk to about the books at all. So um, I'm starting the YouTube channel just to sort of get my thoughts out there on certain books. Um, I guess it's a book review channel, and I'm going to probably do like some vlogging in between as well.
1: Excellent. What's, uh, what's that called so that uh, people can find Just captain, captain, captain Garbage. Captain Garbage. Where's that come from?
0: Um, I don't know. I just, I remember just always being called that.
1: By other people?
0: Uh, mostly myself, you know, Okay, I was
1: going to say, that's trash. rude. Yeah, because you <laughs> look like neither a captain or garbage, <laughs> so. Why, thank you. <laughs> I mean, unless you're, I don't know your rank in any
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: could be could be an admiral for all i fucking know you never know the last exorcism the uh a film that i saw in the theater when it came out and i remember it was it was a situation where it was like i have two hours to kill i've either seen everything else or i don't want to see anything else i don't really know anything about this we'll give it a shot so i went into it with very low expectation or kind of no expectations and i remember about a third of the way in going, oh, no, wait, this is really good. And that keeping that feeling up until, and we'll get into it, but for me, I don't know how you feel, the last Mm -hmm. four minutes of this movie flushes the whole thing down the toilet. And I left that theater (laughs) so angry.
0: I completely agree. I was really, really excited when it first started. I was like, I think I actually really like this. And then, uh, yeah, the last few minutes I laughed out loud. Yeah, I just I couldn't it's, believe it.
1: it's bad to the point that there's a sequel which I have not watched.
0: I think Neither I will I. now mm-hmm. in the next
1: couple days. But yeah, I never bothered with it because I, I felt so burned. I left yeah. that theater so mad because I was so pleasantly surprised that I was enjoying it as much as I was, and it's such mm-hmm. a great premise. You right, know, yeah. a, a former like a preacher who kind of doesn't believe in God anymore, doesn't believe in demons or exorcism, but is going around and doing putting on a show and doing fake exorcisms to
0: fraud. hey, make
1: money. Yeah, he's kind of a fraud, but he's doing it for good reasons. He's not a bad mm-hmm. person. He's not I mean, he's taking people's money, but mm-hmm. he's also providing them as he says a service cuz when he leaves, they feel better. <laughs> they think right. he's actually accomplished something even though it's all bullshit. Right. And then him stumbling into a case that is maybe not bullshit and what do you do with that mm-hmm. it's such a great that's a great great idea and 95 percent of this movie does the most of it but yeah we'll right. get into it our main character is cotton marcus who's played by peter fabian who i think most people would probably know from well now he's on better call saul but he was on Veronica Mars before that, and I think the first place I knew him from was say, by the Bella College years. He played one of their professors, so he's been around a while, he's always pretty good. Cotton is, yeah, like I said, a preacher, his dad was a preacher, he was, he did his first exorcism when he was 10 years old or something,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but he's disillusioned and he's lost his faith because they had a, he and his wife had a son who was born very premature, is partially deaf because of that, and probably some other problems as well. And so he, you know, really questioned, why would God do this? Like, if anyone should have a perfect child, it's me, right? Because God should be blessing me, but not so much. And then on top of that, he started reading stories about exorcisms gone wrong, where children were killed during exorcisms and and died. And it, as a new dad, it freaked him out. And he was like, well, I'm done with this. Not only am I done with this, I want to go and expose what's wrong with all of this so that no more kids will die, hopefully. So right from the jump it's like that's a cool idea give me eight movies of that right rather than three more conjurings i'll take eight of those
0: oh no i was just really excited about it i was kind of hesitant i i knew that it had come out i was probably about 21 when it came out um and i didn't really think much of it i just thought you know just another copy paste horror movie not interested and then um I watched it for the first time this week, and yeah, I was really pleasantly surprised. I was like, I think I really, really like this. And then it goes down to... Hold on
1: to that feeling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you wouldn't think much of it because it's, I mean, there's a gazillion exorcism movies out there, most of which aren't very good. There's a gazillion found footage movies out there, half of which aren't very good. So putting those two together is asking for trouble, but... I don't know. I think they, for the most part, pulled it off. Yeah, it was, an, and it was. Furthermore, it was an autistic kid that he read about that died because they they wrapped like a plastic bag around his head for I don't know what part of the exorcism ritual that is, but
0: I think I I think that was actually based on um, some true stories. My son is autistic, so I kind of read up on all that stuff. And I believe I heard about one boy being like smothered. Um, just like by people like holding him down to the floor and him not being able to breathe. Um, so yeah, that hit pretty hard too when I saw that.
1: Yeah, we had a, I wish I would have known you sooner. I would have had you on the way sooner because I actually, I did uh, an episode on the movie, the documentary, The Reason I Jump with the director Mm -hmm. of that movie and to not only autistic women, but parents of autistic children as well. And that was something we talked about in that episode, was like how many, over the years, over the decades and centuries, how many autistic people or any sort of neurodivergent people do you think were having exorcisms done on them? Because, I mean, there's a whole section, one of the, I don't know if you've seen The Reason I Jump, it's a very good documentary on Netflix, but there's a whole section on a, a girl who from Africa who the entire village is like, oh, well, she's obviously possessed by the devil, because they don't know what autism is, you know? You should throw that kid in the river and be done with it. Their parents had to fight to like get understanding of what's actually going on in that part of the, for that part of the country, you know? So Mm -hmm. yeah, it makes you think how many, (laughs) I mean, all exorcisms are inappropriate, let's be real, but you know, particularly inappropriate exorcisms have happened over the centuries just because people don't, you know, are superstitious and don't, and not educated. So it's scary. Yeah. But Cotton has decided that he's going to, like, I have got, I want to just be home with my family, but I'm going to do one more, and a film crew is going to come with me. That's the found footage aspect. He's always talking to this cameraman, Daniel, and sort of the, I guess, the producer, the director, I guess, of what this documentary will be, uh, whose name is, the subtitles to me say Iris, but they always pronounce it Iris, which is interesting. Just, it's just spelled I-R-I-S, but... So they're gonna follow with him and he's gonna like i'm gonna do one more i'm gonna show you all my tricks and expose this stuff and then i'm out that's why it's the last exorcism it's his last one which makes you wonder how the last exorcism two would have that name <laughs> call it something else because there's no i don't know i may mean, not seen it no but so he just at random picks one of the envelopes from all these requests he's gotten from people wanting exorcism and he's off to Ivanwood, Louisiana. Uh, there's a fun scene where he stops to talk to the townspeople he's like watch this I'll, I'll stop like you can ask for five demon stories and you'll get ten and he stopped and he's talking to locals and they're like oh yeah there was a cult here which I mean turns out to be right but you know no one ever knows who ran it but there was a cult here and they were doing all kinds of crazy stuff and then the funny, he asked one lady, he's like, and where did the UFO land? And she's like, oh, that's over there in points.
0: <laughs> you know, for a second, I thought these were actual real people, like that they were interviewing. I thought that they just pulled people off the side of the road for a minute. I, I couldn't tell.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's believable.
0: <laughs> right. I
1: think that could happen. I'm, I'm guessing probably not. But who also Who knows how many people they went around and talked to, and eight of them were normal, and these were the three weirdos, you know? Right. But, so maybe, maybe they were actors, maybe they weren't, but it definitely... Because a big issue with found footage movies in general, a lot of the time, is that those sort of characters are actors and not good ones, so it, they have a hard time selling you on any of that stuff but these all seemed like like you said they could have been just normal just actual townspeople that they filmed so
0: yeah i think i read up on it and i believe everyone was an actor okay but um i was pleasantly surprised by the performances of the wackos
1: (laughs) and i would say everyone in the movie really all the performances i think everybody sells it pretty good there's nobody that jumps out at me as being a weak link sort of where it takes you out of the you know the, right. the realism, quote-unquote, of the found footage concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he asked the lady about the UFO and then is like looking at the camera like, see, with this smirk on his face and it's pretty funny. For a movie, there's a there's actually some decent funny stuff in here for a movie that gets very, very serious eventually.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so they're looking for the Sweitzer farm and they can't seem to find it, which is where they're supposed to be going. And they see kind of like a teenage boy on the side of the road and they're like, hey, 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 hey. No, where's the Sweetser Farm? But yeah, they're like, hey, man, you know, he'd say, well, I'm Caleb. And they're like, which way the Sweetser Farm? And he goes, okay, what you're going to want to do is, <laughs> this is, this right. is cool <laughs> and funny too, he's like, you're going to want you to, you're actually going the wrong way. You're going to want to do a U-turn and go back the way you came. You're going to see a bunch of stuff you already saw, but keep going. Then you're going to get on the highway and you're going to go back where you came from. <laughs> and, then he, yeah. and then he starts throwing like dirt clods at him and stuff. Yeah. So, <laughs> so clearly they're not wanted here. It's mm-hmm. kind of as soon as he saw the camera crew in the car that he's like, no, no thanks. And that kid is Caleb Landry Jones. A lot of the characters in here, their character name and the actor's name are just the same. Right. Um, Caleb Landry Jones. He played Banshee in X Men First Class. He was in. Um, the Florida Project. He's been in stuff here and there. I think people would recognize him when they see his face. So they find it eventually. And they meet... First they meet the dad, Lewis Sweetser, who was... He
0: nothing to do with the camera.
1: He also is... He's glad... I mean, he asked for an exorcist to come, but he's not sure about the cameras. And then Caleb pulls up and we find out that that's his son. So he... <laughs> they were asking the sweets kid where his own house was and he told them to go away uh, the guy playing lewis played dolores his dad on westworld that's where i know him from
0: where i know him from i yeah. was like this guy looks so familiar
1: yeah he was good in that so he lewis takes them around they kind of convince him that like like the cameras are fine don't worry about it don't worry you know it's just part of the Whatever. I don't know. They don't really get into how he convinces them. But so Lewis takes him around and showing him, like, hey, like I said in my letter, my livestock are like, look at this goat. <laughs> like, my livestock, every day, my livestock are getting killed. And it must be my daughter, Nell, that's doing it while she's under the throes of this possession. And they're kind of right, like, yeah. yeah. And I okay. like uh,
0: his suspicion that it was uh, Caleb. Like, he keeps really wanting to pin it on Caleb. It seems like the uh, cotton. He's yeah. just like, are you sure that Caleb couldn't
1: have done this? Yeah, because well, I'm I mean, sure. he and Caleb got off on the wrong foot to start with. But, but. <laughs> in fact, when Caleb he's talking to Lewis, and when Caleb pulls, pull, first pulls up to the house to Lewis, he's like, Hey, watch out for this kid. We saw him on the road, and he's mean. Right. <laughs> he threw stuff at us. And they're like, No, that's my son. He's like, Oh, okay. There must have been a misunderstanding then. And then we meet now, who's uh, the actress's mm-hmm. name is Ashley Bell. Not, I mean, she's been in stuff, but not really anything I think people would, other than the last exorcism, too. That I think that they would really like. I didn't looking at IMDb, I didn't really see anything that jumped out at me. It's like, oh, I know her from that. Like, I didn't really know her mm-hmm. from anything else, but she's really good in this. I would call, I would say, this is my second favorite possessed person performance after Jennifer Carpenter in The Exorcism of Emily Rose, which I think is a yeah. brilliant performance and like the most convincing like oh shit that person's possessed
0: Agreed.
1: performance but she's really yeah. good
0: i i uh i forgot her name halfway through so i started just calling her eyeballs <laughs> because she just frantically moves her eyeballs like all over the place and that was really off-putting for me so i liked that
1: yeah that is kind of her go-to move is crazy eyes as far <laughs> as what what is being possessed look like until the contortions start but right prior to that Um,
0: yeah and I read those were all um, she actually did those there was no like special effects or anything like that she just can contortion her body like that contort her body
1: yeah I think the same was I think Jennifer Carpenter and
0: uh,
1: Emily Rose as well who's doing all practical (laughs) gross things to themselves yeah so we meet her in there talking with her and she seems like a very sweet but very sheltered obviously 16 year old girl who any sort of compliment she immediately is just a head to toe blush, you know. Because Cotton's like, "Oh, you're very pretty," and she's like, "Oh my god, I am," like really, you know. And she's right. so like, I think any sort of positive attention, yeah, means a lot to her because she's obviously not getting positive. She's getting attention, but not the right kind from somewhere. Right. And they ask her like, "Hey, did you kill a livestock?" And she's like, "I I must have, but I don't remember doing it. Like when I have my spells or whatever, I don't." I wake up and I don't remember what I did, or how I got where I'm at, or whatever. So we learned some other facts. We learned that her mother passed away from breast cancer not too terribly long ago. And at that point, Lewis became a drunk and doubled down on it rather than... He's kind of the opposite of Cotton, because Cotton, a horrible medical thing happened in his family, and he went, oh, there is no God. <laughs> and right. Lewis has gone the opposite way of going doubling down on right. now, now i really need god in my house even though god failed your wife he's convinced doctors failed my wife you know yeah, so no I more doctors that. more god <laughs> which is i mean
0: i just wrote down i hate the dad like three times
1: i think you're supposed to because he's being set up as right. a bit of a red herring
0: yeah and he's
1: certainly not dealing with his grief in a healthy fashion either for himself or for his children but you know you can feel for him a bit you know he definitely seems devastated by his wife's death as you would be um yeah. but then you learn things like he pulled nell was they had a church that they were going to and he quit going and pulled nell out of the sunday school because they were playing non-church music on occasion yeah. which is so i mean that track's so hard. <laughs> like, it's possible I've told this story on the show before because I've unfortunately had a lot of Christian movies come up that I've had to do episodes on. But uh, to do a short version here, I I was raised not incredibly strict, but fairly strict Baptist. But we had a youth minister at my church who was the coolest guy, the nicest guy, but he wore like black leather jackets and drove a motorcycle and listened to real music too, you know?
0: always the, the coolest
1: sister. Right. And it, like if there was ever a guy that you wanted to have talking to kids and trying to get them to think this bullshit is cool, that's the guy you wanted. But the church right. elders, who were these old, you know, fogies, were like, oh, clearly he must worship the devil because he's... <laughs> look at him. And they, and they didn't fire him, but it was basically like a fire, you're fired if you don't quit kind of situation. And that mm-hmm. was the moment I went, oh, well, I'm done with church because that's ridiculous so right. that was kind of my start of my maturing and growing out of that nonsense but that's so yeah that makes a lot of sense that he would pull her out just because it's not just hymns constantly right there's a crucifix that was passed down to her from her mother but she can't wear it anymore because when she does it gives her like a rash or burns her or something so cotton of course is wondering how much of this is psychosomatic, how much of this is, you know, I don't believe any of this is real, but something's going on here.
0: I was immediately, like, before Cotton had done anything, I was also like, oh, she's got a metal allergy, because I have the same thing. Like, I can't wear necklaces without getting, like, a horrendous rash.
1: Yeah, there's there's that. I've known people with that as well, and it's also just like in, well, she's also suffered a trauma, and she's obviously having some sort of mental instability or problems and that was the whole i hate to keep talking about another movie but exorcism emily rose the whole thing that the the court case came down to was this was this girl was schizophrenic and no one would help her everyone looked at because she was convinced that like i can't have schizophrenia i must be obsessed by the devil (laughs) you know not wanting and everyone going playing along with that rather than going no you need to go to the hospital (laughs) You know, we need to get you diagnosed and be seen by, like, professional science people. <laughs> you know, So that could be what this is as well. I wish we never found out, but we do. Yeah. So Cotton agrees to do a, air quotes, exorcism on her. Everything's cool. Caleb kind of takes him aside outside and is like, hey, man, you're going to do what you're going to do. I'm fine with it. But just understand, because I've I've read about people dying doing this too, and if something happens to her, I will hurt you. Like, no, look me in the eye. Like a teenage boy, but, like, still pretty menacing. Like, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I wouldn't feel good about that conversation. And Cotton doesn't either. He kind of <laughs> walks away like, mm. like, look me in the eye. I will hurt you. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> this is not a joke. So,
0: yeah, he's a little scary.
1: A little bit. He, because he, he's a little bit, he looks like a children of the corn, kind of, <laughs> you know? So... They're sitting around, and Iris, or Iris, I guess, is wearing these cool red boots, and they're they're complimenting Nell on her shoes, they're like, oh, those are pretty shoes, she's like, oh my god, thank you, and she's blushing, and she's like, I really like your boots, they're very cool, and Iris, Iris is great, I'm, I don't care if it's Iris, I'm calling her Iris, because that's a name, Iris <laughs> nah. is on the name, she's like, oh, you can totally have them, here, put them on, they look good on you, and Nell can't believe it, and is stunned like oh that's no, too much Well, she's like no i know that you can't find these anywhere <laughs> like i'm from the big city i can these are diamond does it doesn't. i can go buy another pair tomorrow you will never see these again once i leave this house so right go ahead you, you can yeah. have them she feels for this girl you know immediately
0: yeah i thought that was super cute
1: and it's also a very simple and elegant way to tell us a lot about iris as a character she's not just there to to get the story, to get the shot, whatever. Like, she immediately gives a shit about this girl and will continue to increasingly do so to the point that uh, eventually she's kind of the only voice of reason (laughs) left in this movie almost.
0: Right. She really wants to protect her.
1: Yes. So for the first kind of, I guess, it's not a part of the exorcism yet, but I guess kind of the first test, Cotton's like, hey, Lewis, go get me a pan of water. Just plain old water. Everything's cool. And they put Nell's feet in it, and then the water starts bubbling as if it's her feet are hot or something. And he's like, oh, no, this is a bad sign. And he's looking at the camera like, wink, wink. And Lewis, of course, is beside himself, like, oh, my God, I was right, you know? Right. And Caleb, again, catches cotton outside, and he's like, I saw you put something in that. So I don't know what you think you're doing, but I'm on to you. I'm not going to say anything because this might actually help her, but... You're not fooling me, man. I saw what you did. And right. Cotton's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Shit, <laughs> I gotta keep an eye on Keep this kid away from me. He's gonna Alrighty. ruin the whole thing. Uh, there's a scene in the kitchen where Cotton has a book, kind of like a demonology book, that he right. has had since he was a kid. And um, I don't know if he just f- flipped it open, pointed a finger at random, or if he had one in mind already or what, but he's telling Lewis, like, this is what I think it is. I think it's this demon, specifically, Abalam... Who will, who defiles the flesh of his the people he possesses and whatnot? So we gotta take care of this. This is bad news. Really, selling Lewis on this stuff and giving him just the right amount of detail. You know that it's not just you know that it's easier right. to believe.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, he started talking about how um, Avalam defiles girls. Uh, and that kind of, like, really set the dad off as as it would. Um, and that's kind of, like, his whole, the demon's whole shtick it goes after uh, girls and young women.
1: Yeah, which, yeah, definitely hits uh, Lewis in the sore spot. Could be for a number of reasons as we go through the movie. So then we get a, a very cool sequence of Cotton setting up his fake exorcism. Like, okay, leave me alone in the room for a minute. But the camera crew's still in there with him, and he's putting, like, invisible, like, fishing line on a... Well, first he walks up and he, like, shakes the bed, and he's like, ooh, that'll shake real nice. And then he's <laughs> setting up, like, fishing line on, the, on, like, a picture on the wall and all this other stuff. He's got a crucifix that has, like, a syringe of oil in it, so when he presses a button, smoke will come out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he's got these crazy, like, rings, these studded rings for his thumbs that are hooked up to batteries that run up a wire up his sleeve. Which I don't 100% know what the purpose of that was, but he's got a whole bag of tricks and he's letting us see it so that we know, so the film crew and we as the audience know that like, okay, he's about to (laughs) drop some science on these people. Oh, he's also got a sound effects box that does all kinds of like demonic growls and screams and stuff that's hidden so that no one can see it, that he can trigger remotely somehow. So he performs this bullshit exorcism using all of these tricks. The I guess those rings must give her like a light shock
0: presumably because yeah, like, he like
1: presses them into her forehead and she's like kind of convulsing not enough to be dangerous I guess but enough that she felt something.
0: Right.
1: And she's, yeah, she's just kind of been laying in bed. Not, too, not really exhibiting like crazy possession signs so far but definitely the big pupils <laughs> the big, you know the eyeballs. He's not speaking Latin yet or anything. That That's, it'll be a while. But yeah, he does all his tricks with stuff falling off the walls and the bed shaking and the sound effects. And then he's, and this is, I, this is a really good performance because nothing is, I think, harder than for a good actor to pretend to be a bad actor. And he's putting on yeah. a very terrible performance pretending to be, his whole exorcism thing is so over the top. And so that we as the audience are like, oh, my God, that's so cheesy. But Lewis is over there like, oh, shit. You know, it's fooling the the rednecks. But he did. Yeah. Peter Fabian, the actor, does such a good job of pretending to be a bad actor. Because it's it's like just enough that we think it's cheesy, but still within reality enough that you could believe Lewis looking at it and believing it.
0: And being terrified
1: and being terrified. Yeah. and He's also like, I can't. I can't get the demon out the normal way, so I'm going to invite it, like, to come into me, and then I can fight it. And he does. Like, he's falling on the floor, and he's flying around, and he's holding the crucifix, and then the smoke starts coming out, and it's like, okay, yeah, now we're good. So he puts on a whole circus act for these people, man, and they, well, maybe not Caleb, but Lewis <laughs> and Nell certainly fall for it, hook, line, and sinker. So they're like, oh, hey, cool, we, no, we did it, awesome. You know, we're going to head back to our hotel now, but on his way out, he puts on another little performance and he stops and he's like, what's that? Like he's talking to God (laughs) himself and he's like, oh, the Lord, Lewis, the Lord has a message or a prophecy or whatever for you. And he's like, he knows you miss your wife and you're heartbroken, but the bottle is not where the answer is. You need to smash that bottle and be there for your daughter and your son. So even on his way out the door, he's already been paid, but on his way out the door, he's still trying to do the right thing and actually help right. these people. He doesn't want to just leave knowing, okay, great, but this guy's still a drunk, and who knows how that's going to go. So he right. still convinces yeah. him the Lord wants him to quit right.
0: drinking. <laughs>
1: that's very cool, and that's a very telling character moment for Cottonwood that reassures us that, like, yeah, he's taking their money, but he's he really does have everyone's best intentions at heart
0: right
1: um so they go back to the motel camera crew or iris and daniel say goodnight to cotton and leave him in his room then there's a long shot you're wondering what the hell is going on there's a long shot of just the parking lot and then iris hauling ass across the parking lot and up the stairs because i'm presume we don't see it but presumably she just got a call from cotton and when they get there Nell is in cotton's motel room which is Miles away from the Sweitzer farm, and they're like, "What the hell? Well, how did she? I don't know how she got here. I woke up and she was standing here. Somehow yeah. she followed us to our motel. Do we tell them where we were staying? No, we didn't. How did she even know where we were? How did did she walk here? What is happening right now? And she's in a full sort of catatonic state where she won't. Right. She's not even talking to them. She's just staring off into space. So they grab her." And go to the hospital like a smart person would do because these are smart people, right? Well, she's mostly catatonic, but then she starts. She starts trying to take. She has like a very loose kind of shift, sort of nightgown thing on, But she starts trying to take off. And Iris is like, "No, no, 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 don't do that!" And goes to like try to stop her. And then Nell starts kind of trying to make out with her. <laughs> she's like licking right. her shoulder and like pulling her right. down on top of her. Like, so something is very, very. That Abiland. That damn Avalam. Yeah, because this super shy girl that if you even look at her, like, blushes and turns red is doing some wacky shit right now. So they're like, okay, this is worse than we thought. We got to get poop. We're taking her to the hospital. Well, oh, she also pukes. Right, yeah. Which I don't right. care for. I can handle gore. I can handle, but vomit is not my cup of tea. and I don't like looking at it.
0: <laughs> Agreed.
1: No, thank you. It's not like crazy projected, but it's like she's drooling out oatmeal, but it's still gross. Mm -hmm. It's probably the grossest thing in this movie. To me, anyway, it's the grossest thing. So they get to the hospital. And here's the thing. I did an episode with the uh, lovely ladies from the Fright Life podcast on... Well, it was... I was on their show, and we talked about the Taking of Deborah Logan, another found footage possession movie, uh, in which... Camera crews are just allowed to come into a hospital and set up cameras wherever they goddamn please and in people's hospital rooms, and we call bullshit on it. And I'm glad to see mm-hmm. this movie. Camera crew tries to come in, and the nurse at the head station is like, you cannot bring those Shuts cameras it in. Touch
0: Immediately. Immediately.
1: Yes. <laughs> like, you can stand over there and film, but do not come in here with that camera. I would love it if you shut it off, but at least stand over there, because it's not happening. Which is how it would be. Right. <laughs> Hospitals don't love that. So... A much more realistic portrayal than Deborah Logan gave us. Doctors check her out and stuff. They do a sort of minimal amount of tests before Lewis shows up. And Cotton is trying to convince Lewis, like, I don't know what happened. I don't think this is the demon now because I took care of that. Remember? You watched me do it. This is something else. And she should really stay here and get, like, some tests done.
0: psychiatric treatment. Particularly
1: psychiatric tests. And Lewis is a very, like, he's almost a Scientologist. He's like, you know. Psychiatry right. is not of God, that's of man, like, okay. Cotton's trying to tell him, like, okay, but neither are, like, cures for cancer or any other medical treatment, like, man came up with that, and we still, but he's not hearing it, he's not having it, pulls Nell out of there.
0: That was so frustrating.
1: It is very frustrating for, yeah, for Cotton and Iris, and also for us as audience of intelligent right. people. <laughs> I wonder, I'm sure somebody watched this and went, yeah, good call, Dad. <laughs> but then, I don't know, what are you doing watching this movie, I guess? my God. But, but Lewis has a very, like, hey, doctors failed my wife, so I don't trust doctors. So,
0: no. Nope. Jaded about it.
1: So, he yeah, he takes her home again. Cotton and Iris are like, well, I don't know what we should do now. He's not listening to us. Maybe his old pastor at the church that they used to go to Maybe he can help us out. Maybe he can convince him. So they go and visit the next day uh, the old church that the Sweetser family used to go to where there is Pastor Manley? Is that his name? Yeah. Yes. Pastor Manley. We also meet this... And again, she feels like a very natural, not an actress, just like a very... When they first come in, there's a a very large woman who, with (laughs) with a very much a southern accent, who's like, oh, you know... Oh, he's in the back. I'll take you over there. Am I going to be... You're making a movie? Am I going to be in the movie? That's crazy.
0: Yeah.
1: And so, you don't think much of her. You don't think she'll be... You'll even see her again, but boy, will ya. And so Cotton sits down with Pastor Manley and is like, hey, this is what's going on over there. I, I tried to talk to him. He's not listening. Maybe you can convince him. And Manley's like, I don't think so. Because last time I saw him, I haven't seen if you Nell.
0: recall.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen Nell in two and a half years since he pulled her out of Sunday school and when he left there wasn't like a physical altercation but there was shouting like he was not happy with me and we haven't seen hide nor hair of the family since so I don't know that I'm you're barking up the wrong tree I don't know that I'm really going to be any help to you at all I know somebody or his brother-in-law or somebody he knows somebody who's like in psychiatric circles at an actual like hospital in a big city I'll get a hold of him but beyond that I don't know you know, I don't think I'm the guy for the job. But he but he also says, and it feels important, he says, back when Nell was here, she was a vibrant and happy girl. Which, of course, Cotton and Iris are immediately like, well, that's not who we met. <laughs> we met a whipped dog, kind of, you know. Um, so whatever. And now she's homeschooled. So she's been very sequestered and very cut off from anyone aside from her dad and Caleb. So who knows what's going on there. Probably not good. <laughs> Ever. So Cotton and Iris and Daniel head back to the Sweetser farm. They find, when they pull up, Lewis is chasing Nell through the woods for reasons that we don't know immediately. And we think, I mean, it kind of looks like he's about to hurt her or something. But he's just trying mm-hmm. to sort of get her under control because when they get in the house, they find that Caleb has a real... You want to know how I got these scars, <laughs> Joker? Cause Nell smile. yeah, Nell was having a <laughs> yes, Nell was having some kind of a, a fit or something, and uh, Caleb was trying to, to hold her down, or contain her, container or whatever, keep from her from hurting herself, and she grabbed a knife and cut him, cut his face. It's a deep gash, like yeah, he's got like a Joker, a little more vertical, but. Yeah, a real Heath Ledger's Joker <laughs> look going on now. So Caleb gets hauled off to the hospital, and we kind of don't see him again until the very end. He's kind of out of the picture now.
0: You a little bit because the dad is immediately like, "I have to take him to the hospital. Like, why? Why don't you pray the cut away a little bit?" <laughs>
1: yeah, well, I guess <laughs> even he knows the Lord can only do so much. Right. <laughs> <laughs> when there's blood coming out maybe it's time to go get some stitches and they're asking caleb like like what happened can you write write down for us what happened but all he writes down so lewis and lewis takes caleb and they go to the hospital leaving our trepid trio in trio <laughs> alone with nell and the note that he left that it, all he wrote for them on the note covered with his own blood says don't leave her alone with him meaning lewis so it's right. like, well, okay, that's, <laughs> that's probably not good. But, well, no, he doesn't take, Caleb must go with someone else. He must just go in an ambulance or something because Lewis does leave at some point, but it's not yet because when they go to find talk to Nell, they find that Lewis has chained her to the bed. Right. So he's still around, I guess, at this point. He must have left, right. He must have chained her to the bed and then took Caleb to the hospital or something because he's not there. Now, because they immediately unchain her from the bed. Because they're like, that's that's not okay. That's not good news. Yeah, no. That's not the way to deal with this. And they're asking her, they say, does Caleb ever hurt you? And she says no. And then they said, does your dad ever hurt you? And she doesn't answer. Which is also not a good sign. <laughs> right. All signs are pointing to Lewis here for now. Mm-hmm. And it's bad news. Which is an interesting take because that's the more... You know, set aside the supernatural. If all of this is medically explained, then the real horror here is shit like this. You know, trauma yeah. and drunken dads and, you know. I don't I don't necessarily love incest being inserted into things willy-nilly, but. Right. You know, that's scarier than demons and devils and, you know, because that's the real world. Agreed. Scary shit, you know, that you need to be on the lookout for. So, Cotton and team are downstairs and they hear some thumping from upstairs and they're like, Well, Nell's up there by herself. Well, because not only was she chained to the bed, but Lewis had locked her in the bedroom from, and locked the door from the outside. And they're like, That's not cool. That's not cool. We're not going to lock that door for now. <laughs> and they get for upstairs now. and Nell is just standing creepily at the end of the hallway mm-hmm. looking at them. And they're like, Oh, is she sleepwalking? What's going on? And then she runs into the bathroom, they chase her down, and they get in there, and she's drowning a baby doll in the full bathtub, but also making baby sounds. Because, like, the doll the is too old. It's not like a talking doll. Plus, it's underwater. But you hear, like, a baby crying, and clearly it's Nell making those noises herself, which is creepy as fuck, and also confusing yeah. <laughs> for our heroes, because that's not yeah, something she should was, be able to do.
0: that was probably my favorite... Um scene in the movie i really liked she was just terrifying like standing at the end of that hallway and then slowly just sort of walking and then running off to the bathroom it was pretty pretty scary
1: yeah i i I have one that i like better than that but another thing this movie doesn't do and i think it's to its credit is she never gets like a crazy like exorcist regan face you know she always just Mm -hmm. looks like a person she might be giving you crazy eyes and like the contortions and stuff, but she never gets like, you know, they never have to do makeup on her to make her look like some kind of, you know, or crazy contacts or something other than like her pupils are very dilated. She never has like red eyes or teeth or, you know, anything crazy. It's all within, still within the realm of, oh, this girl's just mentally disturbed, you know? But they do, they do have to question like, how is she doing that Because they play the tape back. They get her kind of calmed down and back in bed and Iris plays the tape back for them. And not only was she making the baby sounds, but she was also speaking in Latin. And she shouldn't know Latin. So there's that. <laughs> That's worrisome to them. It really stopped. like the halfway point is kind of a slow build, but from kind of from Caleb getting cut on, the movie's kind of off. And it's
0: Right. Kinda of doesn't
1: slow down again. So a lot of stuff happens very fast. They hear a the answering machine beeping in the kitchen so they go listen to the message that was missed and it's the doctors from the hospital calling saying hey they prescribed her this but she needs to not take that we'll give her a prescription for something else because they didn't know when they gave her that that she's pregnant which the tests we did here showed so I mean she might not even know she's pregnant but she can't take that medicine so don't give her that so uh, of course Cotton and Iris are very disturbed by that as they should be because this girl doesn't leave her house so right. how could she be pregnant? And they immediately decide, as I think most people probably would, jump to a
0: conclusion that
1: it's Lewis. Lewis has been right. raping his own daughter. That's a sentence I didn't even like to have to come out of my mouth, but here yeah. we are. Which is what Iris. I mean, Iris says that, and here's where Iris definitely turns it up a notch, and she's like, No, we are taking this girl and we are leaving because her dad is raping her, and this is what are you even talking about? we're not doing another exorcism we're not lollycoddling this guy anymore he's a predator <laughs> and this is bad and we're going to take her leave in cottons like we we're not kidnapping this man's daughter i don't know i kind of side with iris <laughs> on this one but
0: i i was really divided because i was like why why wouldn't they just call the police right then
1: because lewis is still gone at this point where right. i don't know maybe he works at night i don't know because it doesn't Can't imagine he's just sitting at the hospital with Caleb getting stitches because we don't. I don't know, but I assume he's at work or something. But they decide, no, you know, we're not going to take her right now. Let's we're all worked up. It's been a crazy night. Let's sleep on it. I'll grab a couch. You you know, everybody go sleep somewhere. And in the middle of the night, here here's the part that is creepiest to me. Someone picks up the camera's just sitting there. Everyone's sleeping and. Someone that we can't see picks the camera up and is carrying it around the house, sets it down in front of a mirror, and then it's a very, you don't get, because it's not, I don't know how to describe this shot. The camera's pointed at the mirror, and Nell is in the mirror, but it's kind of, we don't. it's not super crystal clear what we're even seeing, but she's right. doing something. She has her head cocked to the side, and she's like pulling on her own like yes. jaw and eye socket like almost like it looks like she's trying to pull her own face apart
0: right and yeah that making, was a really <laughs> it's,
1: it's making weird like cracking sounds and she's doing something and then she stops but that's a very effective because you're like what am I even looking at because it's not I don't know if the mirror is fogged up or if it's dark in the whatever it was but it's not super easy to see what she's doing and then she takes the camera out to they had seen earlier a drawing she had done a drawing of her cat and then it was and then the cat covered in blood, like she went back over it with red something to make it blood all over this cat earlier on. Right. Now she takes, it's obviously Nell carrying the camera, takes it out to the little barn they have, and the cat is there, and she smashes this cat to a pulp with the camera, and it's a pretty, I'm not a cat person, but I know there's cat people, and I'm... I almost should have put a trigger warning at the beginning of the episode, like don't watch this movie if you got if you love you some cats because you're gonna have a bad time.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm a cat person and that kind of got me. I was like, oh no, I have to cover my face a little bit. Yeah,
1: and it's done really well because you see like normal cat and then you see the camera kind of go up and down and the next time you see it, it's a pile of blood and fur. Like, <laughs> so yeah. it's done really well. And then she comes back in the house and is just standing over Cotton kind of looking down at him and then kind of off camera irish walks in the r- iris irish iris walks in the room and is like oh god what's going on and that looks cotton up and they jump up they see she's covered in blood the camera's covered in blood with the crack lens they have to change the lens and get the blood off of it so they know i don't know if they even know exactly what happened but they know something's going on and she's running around doing bad things while we're sleeping so they get her back in bed again and here now there are new drawings up on her wall the the bloody cat is still there but there's also a drawing of what appears to be cotton sort of facing like a wall of fire and they're like is the house on fire what is this right. and then another drawing of cotton on fire iris cut into pieces and daniel decapitated right which daniel does not care for <laughs> daniel this is when daniel's like no we should go though
0: out. yeah
1: <laughs> a piece out and he doesn't actually leave he He winds up sticking around, but that I mean they talk him into staying, but yeah, he's Mm -hmm. like, Okay, that girl who drew a drawing of her dead of her cat dad, and now her cat is dead has a drawing of me with my head cut off and I don't like that, so I wanna go home. (laughs) This is not worth it. We've done the best we can do, let's just go and call the police or whatever. And Cotton gets very dismissive of it. Because again, Cotton is still a very he's pure skeptic, you know. He still thinks that nothing actual actually crazy is going on here. It's just this girl is disturbed but she's she weighs what 80 pounds what's she gonna kill and she he says to daniel like what you think that girl's gonna cut your head off like come on grow up man that's everybody bringing down a notch convinces them to stay mistake
0: (laughs) yeah
1: and then they hear two people talking distinctly two different voices talking in nell's room so they run in because now they have locked now that After the sleepwalking and cat murder, they have decided Lewis had the right idea, and they have now locked her in this room, too, and Cotton has the key. But they open the door, because they can distinctly hear, yeah, her and someone else for sure talking. And they open the door, and she's nowhere to be seen. So they're looking around the room. The window's open. They're like, oh, God, did she go out the window? This isn't bad. And then they turn around, and she's up on top of...
0: crouched on top of a dresser.
1: Yeah, there's like a big armoire, and there's maybe two and a half feet between the top of it and the ceiling, and she's just sitting up on top of it, looking at them, which is pretty good. hmm But still within the realm of, it's cool because it's still within the realm of possibility. It's not like she was hanging on the ceiling or something crazy, you know, right. too supernatural to where you could still look at this and go, this is just a mentally disturbed girl, you know? Right. There's an ambiguity that carries through to almost the end of the movie that I really, really appreciate. Alright, at this point, Lewis comes back. They play the message from the doctor for him. He seems very confused. They don't outright accuse him to his face. Right. But he's very like, well, that can't even be true. Those doctors are wrong. She can't be pregnant. It's not, like, it's not possible. And, yeah, he's like, no, your book was right. This is and That's what happened. You said he would defile my daughter, and he has. Look, you were right. And Cotton's trying kind to of backpedal now, like, no, but no, I know I said that. Shit, <laughs> like he did a good enough job convincing him. That now he can't unconvince him. Right. Bad move. Um, and he and, says,
0: uh, oh, "Does the book also say that uh, the only the only way to cure this possession is death, or something like yes, that?"
1: Yes, death is the only escape, which. Yeah, and Lewis says, if you can't save her... Or he asks he asked Cotton one more time, he's like, do another exorcism, please. And Cotton's like, I'm, that's not going to do any good. I'm not going to do that. She needs to go to a doctor, like we've discussed. And Lewis says, okay, well, if you're not going to save her soul, then I will. You have five minutes before I consider you trespassers in my house full of gums. <laughs> so you need to leave now because you're not going to do this. I will take care of this. Which has them thinking, like, oh, oh he's just going gonna to kill her? Like, because she has a devil baby, this is not good. But of course, to them, this is him justifying or trying to convince, you know, that he's not the father. Right. So he takes a couple minutes to go out and kind of talk to the wife. Her grave is there on the property, I guess. Um, and while he's outside, they're like trying to formulate a plan. Like, okay, what do we do? Yeah, he has a lot of guns. He could come in here and kill us. <laughs> like, he kind of threatened to. So what? now what do we do? But also, he's going to. He's probably going to kill Nell. So, what do we do? They lock him out, which does not work because he clearly has a key to his own house. It, it keeps him. very long. No, it keeps him outside for eight seconds. And then he is. <laughs> you can hear him unlocking the door. So, there's a bit of kind of a, a chase scene going on as they're trying to dodge him. And then the power goes out. And you don't know if Lewis got the power or the power just went on, on its own or what's going on. And then they hear a bunch of banging from upstairs, and they hear Nell screaming. I guess this is where she's on top of the armor, not to see before. At least according to my notes, anyway. But she jumps down from, or Cotton gets her down from there, and she cuts, she has a knife from somewhere, right. and cuts his hand open, and runs off again. Kind of but like, not crazy exorcist crab walk, like upside down, but like, is scooting backwards away from them down the hallway, which is cool. Um, so she's running around the house with a knife. It's <laughs> clearly having problems. Lewis is running around with a gun. So this is a bad, bad situation. They get downstairs. They can't find her anywhere. There's a bit of looking around the house. You're expecting jumps. There's another not. There's kind of maybe only one attempt at a jump scare in this, which I deeply appreciate because that is the laziest shit.
0: Yes, yeah,
1: and, I hate that. I mean, when done well. You know, I'll take one here and there, but there's movies that's that's all they have. I'm looking at you, Banshee chapter. Um <laughs> which I just did an episode on a couple weeks ago. And yeah, this really only has one that's that's coming up in a bit, but if anything it's the opposite of jump scares. It's kind of very slow burn, slow you know. But they're looking through the house for her and they're like, Oh shit, she's outside and they look outside the window and she's standing in the yard doing like Jesus Christ pose and just like looking at them with her head cocked, which is creepy as
0: fuck oh yeah that was terrifying
1: and then she runs off again so they're trying to they're chasing her down they go out to the barn looking for her and they can't find her when they come out of the house she's sitting on the front porch just sitting there and so cotton walks up oh here's where the jump scare kind of is. like they get closer to her she seems fine and then she kind of rah, like growls and jumps at them sort of at the camera and knocks daniel down or whatever but they get a hold of her they drag her in the house they're kind of you know holding her to keep her from hurting herself and Lewis comes in with a shotgun, and she's saying to her dad, "Shoot me!" And he's pointing a gun at her, and she's saying, "Yeah, shoot me." Which I don't know if that's her. Just you know, she's having a mental breakdown. If it's a demon, maybe it's better to torture this dad by having him kill his own kid. Who knows what the motivation there is? But and it seems like Lewis might take her up on that offer, and that is enough to. Push Cotton and be like, "Okay, stop, stop, stop. I will do. I'll do another exorcism like you wanted. Okay. Just mm-hmm. can everybody? Can you put the gun down? Can everybody like fucking jail the fuck out before somebody gets killed? And that's his. That's his whole thing. It was like, I'm doing this to avoid getting any of more kids dying because of exorcisms. And now here I am in a situation where it's possible that no matter what I do, this kid. If I don't do the exorcism, her dad's gonna blow her head off. Right. And if I do do it, what li- what links am I gonna have to go to? that this is good enough for the both of them without hurting her so or having her hurt herself. So he's really stuck, <laughs> our poor Cotton. And so now the, the the for real last exorcism happens. We're out in the barn. They've got her chained up, just, just her feet. Um, and she's kind of huddled on the ground. He's doing his whole spiel, but minus the acting now. Like, he's doing it for real.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's not putting on the big show. This is Cotton. Like old Cotton, old creature Cotton, who takes it, who takes this shit seriously and he's trying to do it the right way. Just in case, maybe? I don't know, but. Yeah. So he's carrying on the exorcism. There's a lot of chat back and forth between Mel and him. Her voice is very. I like this too because it's not a crazy, like, auto tuned or kind of. You know, like. not something they did in post-production with like a voice changer or something like it's it's this actress but just doing a, like doing a deep voice like so you can tell so again it's something humanly possible that a real girl could do if she were pretending to be possessed mm-hmm. so that ambiguity is still there and here's the, yeah here's the contortions start like her jaw like she's contorting like her jaw around and like bending over and i think that's the cover of the movie i think is or at least that's the right. second one is her kind of bending all bending backwards kind of all the way over
0: mm-hmm. but again
1: it's but it's not cdi it's it's just her being i don't know athletic
0: um, hypermobility yeah
1: and what's kind of the two big moments of the this last exorcism are and nothing seems to be working and then the demon or you know well he admits to he says i'm abilene that's you were right that's mm-hmm. who i am which immediately cotton's like that's weird that of all the, like, I picked that randomly out of a book, why well, would it actually right. be you? But then Nell slash the demon says, I'll tell you what, if you can be quiet, words, 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 that's all you, just words you throw at me. If you cannot talk for ten seconds, I will let this girl go and leave. Cotton's like, cool, I can do that. And so she starts breaking her own fingers. One, two, three, like, counting the ten seconds down by snapping her own fingers, and she doesn't even get to. I don't really think she gets past two before Cotton breaks down <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because he's not gonna stand and watch this. So he talks and she's like, I knew you couldn't do it. You had to talk. And then she says, and this is the turning point of the thing where Cotton, who's probably still not 100% sure what's happening, figures out what's happening. Because I don't remember what the exact phrasing or whatever is, but she's basically says something about giving him a blowing job. And he's like, yeah. hold on. <laughs> what did you just say? Blowing job? Do you even know what that is? That sounds like a six year old girl who doesn't, who's sheltered and doesn't know what sex is, would call it a demon, would know that it's called a blow job. So I think you're full of shit. Like, I think I figured you out. This is just Mel. So he kind of just kind of holds her and talks to her, and I don't remember exactly what he says, but kind of de escalates everything. And it seems like. She's okay again. And kind of his diagnosis, you know, I'm not the doctor or anything, but it's just that, that she's so ashamed of being pregnant.
0: Right. And they
1: don't think Lewis did it anymore. Because she tells them once everything's calmed down, the exorcism is over, and they're talking to her. And she admits that there's this boy named Logan who works at the diner. And she and she's very, like, disassociated from it. Because she's sitting on the bed, she's telling the story, but she doesn't say, I met Logan, I got in Logan's car. She right. Says, it's Right. Yeah, she says she met Logan. She got in the car. She, he asked if he could have sex with her, and she didn't want to, but he talked her into it, and so she did. So she's calling herself she, which is interesting. And then Pastor Manley and the big lady come over again, and there's Lewis accepts them and welcomes them in. Is like okay, you know, now he's now he's gotten convinced that like. Because at first Cotton tells her, tells him, he's like, this is what she just told me. She told me it's this boy, Logan, that's why she's pregnant. She is pregnant and she's just, and this is all about, she's ashamed. She doesn't know how to, because you convinced her, you and everyone like you, that sex is the end of the goddamn world, (laughs) you know? Right. And the worst possible thing you can do. And so she's just... She can't deal with the shame of even being around, you know, so that's what this is. It's a manifestation of that. She doesn't know how to deal with, on top of the trauma from her mom dying and, and, you know, you being a worthless fucking drunk, (laughs) like, there's a lot going on in this girl's life, so she's had a, you know, that's what it is. And at first, he's like, that's, no, that's not possible. Nell wouldn't do that. Nell wouldn't sleep with just some boy, and he's like, look, like, that's what she told me, so... (laughs) Come right. in, and she can tell you herself, and she does.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Pastor Manley and the big lady come over again, and they're praying over her. And that lady's like sitting next to her and stroking her head. Like, what is your position in the church? For <laughs> you, yeah. what authority do you have to sit here and like pet this young lady? I don't know. I wouldn't accept that, but okay. And so Cotton is like, well, I've done all I can do here. You know, they will deal with this as a family as best they can. Hopefully, he stops drinking, and she'll. You know, the here to talk them into doing what they should do, which is go see doctors and go see psychiatrists and go see, you know, deal mm-hmm. with things. So my work here is done. Crisis averted. Whew, that was close. Let's, I just want to go home now. Let's go home. Right. And if this is where the movie stopped,
0: yep.
1: if he drives off and credits roll, I would give this movie an eight out of 10.
0: Yes. Great,
1: agreed. great movie. Surprisingly mm-hmm. good movie. Unfortunately, this is not where the movie ends. Because they're driving back out of town. They're like, hey, that's a diner she mentioned where that Logan kid works, right? And they don't...
0: Let's go talk to him. But
1: why, though? You've already believed her story. Why go talk to him at all? Right. Other than to ruin my my day. Right. They go and talk to this Logan kid. And he's like, hey, yeah, I know her. Like, we met a couple times. We met at Professor... uh, Professor... Pastor, the opposite of her, Pastor Manley has these, like, parties for teens at his house. And it was just, like, I don't know, a couple months ago or whatever. And I, like, I met her by definitely, that's definitely not my kid, I promise you. And Iris kind of just intuits from, I didn't pick this up off him, but Iris must have real good gaydar or something. Because she's, like, because you're not interested in her or anyone like her, right? Or something like that, you know? And he's, like, yeah. Because... Logan is gay. Did not sleep with Nell at all. So now they are very confused by that. And also the fact that, hold on, didn't Pastor Manley say that he hadn't seen Nell in two and a half years? But now we find out she was at his house? Also, why is he having teen parties at his house? That's weird, right? That doesn't sound good. So they decide something is amiss here. We're going to drive back to the farm. And talk some manly about this, and get to the bottom of this. You should have just kept driving, for your sake and for mine.
0: Call the police or something when you get to where you're going. Also
1: call the police.
0: Like I know it's <laughs> two,
1: I know it's 2010, and we maybe weren't cell phone crazy yet, but there were cell phones. And you're right. just at the diner. I'm sure there's a payphone or something. What What are you gonna do here, other than ruin the movie? But so they go back to the farm. They can't find anyone. The lights are all off. They go in the house. There is now rather silly looking satanic writing all over the wall. Like, it's the kind of shit teenagers would do, like, at a park.
0: It is, it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, 666. Six, six, and pentacles. Some of, them, some of them are like the room kind of stuff looks, you know, a little advanced. But, yeah, it mostly looks like just shit teenagers would do. And it's like graffiti.
0: Teenage. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's pretty silly looking. It's just in Nell's room, but it's everywhere. So now they're like, what the fuck? So they go out, nobody's in the barn, they see a big fire off in the distance, kind of in the woods, or in a clearing in the woods, once you go through the woods. So they go out to check it out, and here we get what I call the exposition from the bushes. I feel like this, I wonder if the movie didn't end with an ambiguous ending, which is what it, the way it should have ended. Or the way it should have ended. A little ambiguity is fine. You do not have to explain every goddamn thing to your audience. Assume that we're smart, please. Exactly. Don't assume I'm an idiot, because I'm not. And I can handle some ambiguity. I like it. I like to be able to leave the theater and talk to my friends and be like, what did you think? Did you think it was real? Did you think she was fake? Oh, yeah, that's interesting. You know, let us have a conversation. No. And we have Cotton in the bushes watching this and telling us explicitly what we are looking at. And it is so fucking dumb. Because there's a shot of who is clearly Pastor Manley in, like, a satanic robe. And he looks at the camera and goes, that's Pastor Manley. <laughs> and then there's Nell on an altar with the big lady, like, between her legs. And he looks at the camera and goes, is that Nell? That's Nell on that altar. Oh, is that Lewis? And they cut to a shot of Lewis tied up. They have him tied and blindfolded to a thing so he won't interfere. That's Lewis. Stop telling. I know. I've spent the last... 80 minutes Get with it. these characters. I know their names. Why are you explaining this to me? Right. <laughs> it's so infuriating. And then Nell gives birth to a weird little screechy demon baby thing that they take off and just like wander off with. Do they throw in the fire? Is that what the fire gets so big?
0: Yeah. Is that they, they throw are. it in the fire and then it just goes
1: Yeah, the fire gets gigantic. And Iris and Dan are like, "Cool, we're out. <laughs> we're leaving." come on cotton cotton's like no this is my moment like this is why I'm here also there was a drawing of this (laughs) in case you forgot from earlier so he grabs his crucifix and he like no I'm putting a stop to this this is not happening on my watch and then marches towards the fire then the fire turns into it's not too crazy but definitely a CGI kind of demon face thing it's a little subtle but shouldn't exist in this movie at all And then, yeah, the fire kind of whooshes out and overtakes him. Iris and Daniel run off. Iris is immediately grabbed by, like, two guys with axes who just hack the shit out of her. Axes. And then we get the stupid, the worst thing in any found footage movie, which is, like, 90 seconds of someone just panting and running through the woods as the camera bounces around all over the place and you can't see shit, which is exactly which what I this movie...
0: They...
1: Yeah, like, I hate...
0: Always... Why would you keep filming?
1: Well, there's that. Drop that camera, number one. Right. But also, but the movie had done such a good job avoiding this shit. hmm For the whole movie, up until now, you know? God. And he... Yeah, he hears something, he looks over, and when he looks back, it's Caleb with the bandage on his face and a sickle, who apparently is part of this cult, and it was part of his plan this whole time. Maybe he's the dad of... The, who knows? Or maybe who it's actually that? the devil or Abalam. I don't know, but he cuts Daniel's head off, and the camera falls, and then we get credits. (laughs) And I'm throwing stuff at my TV. (laughs) Because, man... I was
0: was cackling. I was just... I was laughing out loud because I just could not believe what I was seeing.
1: You had it. You had it, and you threw it away. He could have left us with an interesting... Some questions... But no, you had to explain exactly what's going on, and in the dumbest way possible, what a letdown. <laughs> so, yeah, like I said, up until then, shockingly good movie that I would recommend to anyone. Good performances, a good use of found footage, terrifically interesting premise, and then, no.
0: <laughs>
1: bad ending. Bad, bad ending. An ending can ruin ruin things that's my take on it i feel you probably uh feel the same
0: (laughs) yeah i i agree with all of that i was super super excited until like the last the last time where they go and talk to logan as they're leaving i'm like no no what are you doing hold on because
1: you feel it coming like a freight train you're like no movie don't don't do it i know what you're doing don't don't please don't oh you did it exactly it's very disappointing Yeah, so for me that brings it from like an 8 out of 10 down to, I mean it's still worth watching because the rest of it is so good, but I don't know, at at best like a 6 out of 10 for me, just because that ending is so bad.
0: Yeah, I'd say right around a 5 or a 6, I think. It's rough, that's rough.
1: Well, it is that time of the episode where I press the magic button to find out what next week's movie, chosen completely at random from everything streaming will be. Pressing the magic button now. Next week's movie is... Ruskies. From 1987. What is this? It is on Tubi only. Well, I guess it's on Voodoo if people have that. A group of American boys discover a Russian sailor washed up on the coast of Florida and decide to befriend him, assuming he is friendly and will bring them no danger. Okay. 1987 starring Joaquin Phoenix as oh. a little kid huh? back when he was Leaf Phoenix I believe before he changed his name hmm. I feel like I've heard of this because I'm a kid of the 80s but maybe not I don't know. Ruskies from 1987 on be. that is everyone's homework for next week should you choose to accept it a very different movie from this one that's for sure thank you for being here Everybody go check out her YouTube channel. (laughs) I expect good, uh, big things from it. Uh, Where else can people find you, uh, socials-wise?
0: I'm on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Um, I'm all just, it's all Captain Garbage, Captain underscore garbage on all of those things. Uh, I don't don't post a whole lot, but, you know, I, I feel like I could get into it more recently with the YouTube
1: thing starting up yeah. well, I'm just hoping I am as always at Lambert 78 on Twitter the show is at That's A Random P2 the show has an email address for all of your gripes and grievances or <laughs> maybe you want to say nice things I don't know it's uh, That's A Random Pod at gmail.com artwork for the show by Joe Humphrey who is at Mr. Joe Humphrey on Twitter go check out all his other stuff uh, if you like horror movies, get on Slasher. That's where we met. That's where me and uh, some future guests have met as well, and past guests. A cool place to be, as I mentioned before. I think that'll do it. Anything, any last words from you?
0: No. If I could recommend a book, maybe. Sure. Um, that this reminded me of. If you haven't read it, um, I just finished it recently. It's called The Hollow Ones by Guillermo del Toro and Chuck Hogan. Um, There's a really cool uh, Louisiana exorcism scene in that book as well, so check it out.
1: Thematically relevant, and you had me at Guillermo del Toro.
0: Exactly,
1: (laughs) as I'm sure you would. A lot of people. Excellent. I have not heard of that. I Mm -hmm. will check that out. Everyone else should too. We're not getting paid for that. We don't know that guy, but (laughs) you find good horror, you pass it on. All right. Well, Mm -hmm. that'll do it for this week. Uh, On behalf of myself and megan uh go yeah go check out our youtube and on behalf of the both of us goodbye everybody have a great week